0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. It's a blessing to be with you all and to be able to share this time. We've had a wonderful journey so far through this Lent, uh, with many incredible sessions um, and passages we've covered. And today is sadly the last one, because next week is Holy Week. Even more sadly, I'm giving it, so you're stuck with me today. I might make sure you translate that. I want to focus on next week, on the journey of Holy Week. But I want to look at it slightly differently. We tend to look at Holy Week and we tend to look at it in terms of um, suffering and in terms of focusing on the pain and on the torment of the weak. And of course, that is what it is. That's what we're doing. We are looking at the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what I want us to do is look at it from a slightly different perspective today. And I want to link it to Psalm 23. A psalm that we all know, and we all find great comfort in. Of course, we know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That is what the shepherd does. And if we look at him in our lives, that is what he does. He is our shepherd, we are his flock. We don't need anything because he gives us all things. He makes us to lie down in plenty, in green pastures, in blessing He restores our soul. And if you think about it, the whole story of salvation, the whole story of Passion Week, which leads to the cross and from the cross to resurrection, is about restoring our soul. It needed to be restored. And there is no one, not a single being, who could restore us. He came to do just that. But it wasn't simple. To restore us, things had to happen. Let's face it, why would you need to restore someone unless that person had fallen, had failed? Unless that person had a bad experience? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and if you look at humankind, we walked through the valley of the shadow of death for generations. Ever since the fall, until the coming of our Lord, we walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And even now, in a slightly measured way in a different way in a in a in a temporary way. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death on a daily basis. When we grapple with sin and weakness and brokenness. It is a reality of our lives. And if we try to ignore this reality, we only get half of the story. If there was no brokenness, why would we need repair? If there was no fall, why would we need to be lifted up? If there were no death, why would we need resurrection? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. That's the difference. We fear what we do not know, and what we have no control over. We fear that which can defeat us. But in our Lord, we know the enemy. Through God, by God's grace, in his hands, he has control. And with him, there is no defeat. And that's the reality. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Next week is not about fear. Next week is about conquest. It's about confidence. It's not about defeat. It's about victory. Next week is certainly not about death. It's about resurrection. That's what we have to remember. As we go into Holy Week, remember... We are figuratively, symbolically walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We are reliving humankind before the resurrection. But you know in our tradition, we say Christ is risen every day. Not that he was risen, he is risen today. So although we are living through the memory, we are reenacting the valley of the shadow of death, we will have no fear because we know what is at the end of that valley. The end of the valley is Golgotha. And past Golgotha, there is, there is a Lord. So when we go into it, We go into it understanding what is to happen. Why is it that I will fear no evil? For you are with me. Don't forget that in those early years, in those generations, after the fall, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, humankind was alone. We journeyed alone Yes, he may have been with us as humanity in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. He led the Israelites through the wilderness. But as humankind, we were alone because we could not be reconciled to yeah. him. And yet, after the incarnation, after the cross, and after the resurrection, why shall I fear no evil? For you are with me. He's with us today. He is genuinely with us, not just figuratively, not just symbolically, He is with us. He's both within me, because sacramentally, I am the temple of God. The Holy Spirit abides in me. We, as the body of Christ, are His body with Christ as our head. And our Lord says to us that where there are two or more gathered, He is in our midst. So tonight, He's with us. Every day he's with us. I see so many people going through Hodi Week, so sad. And I'm saying to them, don't forget. And I'm sorry, if anyone hasn't seen the end of this movie, I don't want to have a spoiler alert here. So if you don't want to know the end of this movie, uh, change channels now. Christ is risen. He rises at the end. He's been risen for 2,000 years. This is not a new story. He's with us. He never leaves us. He's always by our side. He's always before us. He's always within us. And so as we go through next week's journey, remember that He is with us. And so we will have No fear. It is no longer unknown. It is no longer unconquerable. There is no more uncertainty for Christ is risen. But as we go through next week, we will go through those steps, step by step. Why? Because the journey is important, the journey itself is important. The journey of suffering is important. Not because we want to suffer, not because we are masochists, not because we like to bring ourselves pain or lament unceasingly, but because it shows us who we are. And it shows us how we must live. It shows us the value of the gift we have received. The gift that will never be taken away from us. The gift of life, the gift of salvation, the gift of hope, the gift of resurrection. It will never be taken away. It will never go. But it was a gift given to us at incredible cost. Incredible cost. The cost was the fall. The cost was the incarnation, the cost was the incredible love that led to the cross and from the cross to the empty tomb and from the empty tomb to the kingdom as he awaits us. This was nothing we were given for free. We didn't have to pay the price, our Lord paid the price. The price of making himself of no reputation. The price of carrying the burden of the whole world. The price of never leaving us nor abandoning us. The price of our bad behavior. The price of us being irresponsible, the price of us being disobedient. But he did it willingly and lovingly. He wanted us to be with him and nothing was going to stop him. But then this psalm gets even more and more beautiful. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know that the rod is the symbol of God's power, and the staff is the symbol of his sovereignty and his authority. And we see both. We are journeying with our shepherd through this week, next week, and we see his rod, his rod that symbolizes truth, that takes all the blame all the injustice, all the suffering, and continues to journey. The rod that goes to the cross and then breaks death and breaks sin. The rod that empowers us. And with it, the staff. The staff of the kind shepherd who continues to feed his flock as he travels, who comes in as a king. The staff, mockingly, that is carried by the one with the crown of thorns and with the scarlet robe. But the staff, the authority, the sovereignty that ascends to the cross, and shows the power of the God of gods and the Lord of lords. The staff that goes beyond the cross into the tomb and from the tomb into resurrection. Our Lord is a Lord who always carries his rod and his staff. The rod is not for us. The rod is to break Anything that comes in our way. To disperse the enemy. To disperse the risk, to disperse the threat. The rod with which he strikes evil and sin and death. And the staff with which he shepherds me. He provides for me. He comforts me. The staff with which he shows his authority. His love. The staff with which he gives me hope. And shows me that I am his. And no one will take me out of his hand. No one will snatch me away. Not just that. You know, as we journey, we see that as we read in verse 5, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. What greater table than the table of that first Eucharistic service? The table upon which not only is he feeding us physically, but he institutes his sacrament The table upon which he places himself as as an offering to us. The table from which comes our life and our power and our hope. The table that extends from Jerusalem 2,000 years ago all the way into each and every Eucharistic service today the table that has become the sanctuary and the altar on which we receive our Lord. That table. And in the presence of our enemies. They were already plotting. They were already plotting. As he was sitting with his disciples, they were wondering how to get him. Why? Because he spoke truth. Because he loved, because he healed, because he presented hope. Remember as you journey through next week, that our God is not a dead God. He is not a defeated God. He is not a weak God. He is powerful and sovereign and victorious and risen. We don't want to feel like we are killing God every year because our God is risen and alive. And he reminds us of that through that journey. He reminds us of that as we stay with him and journey alongside him and he prepares that table in the presence of our enemies. Not somewhere hidden. Here. Come to me. You are mine. I will give you rest. I will take you by the still waters. I will provide for you. I will prepare the table before you. And not only that. I will anoint your head with oil. Through that incarnation through that cross and that resurrection he made us his once more. He anointed us again. He claimed us again after we had been astray for generations. Remember the story of the prodigal son where he runs and he kneels before his father and before he can finish his sentence his father covers his nakedness and puts the ring on his finger, restores him. That anointing is the ring on our finger. Remember, you are mine and no one can take you from me. If you leave me and you decide to go away, I will respect that, not because I don't love you, but precisely because I love you. But when you turn, equally, because I love you, I will embrace you, and I will anoint you, and I will make you mine again. He claims us. I don't know about you, but if I was going to save someone, and that because of that saving someone, I was arrested, accosted, tortured, betrayed, all of that, denied, would we still love? Would we still remember why we were doing it? Well, he did. He never stopped loving us, ever. He anointed us and said, you know what? I don't mind. I came for you. I understand. I genuinely, I truly Understand. Don't forget, I created you. I know your strengths, but I also know your weaknesses. Don't worry if you have fallen. I am here for you. I will lift you up. I will anoint you. As we journey through next week, remember that we are already anointed. We are already claimed. We are already consecrated. We are already His. And nothing and no one can take us away from Him unless we go ourselves. He anoints us, not only for us, but for the world. I don't know if you've you've seen, but in some weddings... Ladies, if you're not married yet, this is something to look forward to. Some weddings, when the celebrant anoints you, they make this massive cross on your forehead, and it shines, probably for days. You are claimed. You know, when you're baptizing someone and chrismating someone, So when our Lord anoints our head with oil, it is the fragrant oil of his fatherhood. It is the fragrant oil of his sovereignty. So everyone sees, says, you're his. Everyone smells the aroma and realizes that we are his. God doesn't claim us in secret, doesn't claim us privately. He's not ashamed of us. He claims us very publicly and powerfully, beautifully. And that's why he anoints our head with oil. My cup runs over. How much, O oh Lord, have you given us? How much have you provided and so generously. With this table that you prepare for me in the presence of my enemies, you leave it forever until you come again, until we are received into your kingdom. My cup runs over. I have forgiveness. I have sonship, I have daughtership. I have hope, I have joy. I have the promise of resurrection. The resurrection that I not only hear about and read about, but I have seen. Then we read Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We were estranged, we were alone. We felt abandoned. We were never abandoned, though, we left him. And yet he comes to give us with abundance. I am not here just to give you life. I'm here to give you life abundant. I'm not just here to give you healing. I am here to raise you from the dead. I'm not just here to give you a temporary solution. I'm here to save you for good until we meet again. That goodness and that mercy follow me all the days of my life, but sometimes I run from it. Sometimes I run from goodness. Why? Because goodness comes at a cost. Because with goodness, I need to be good. I need to keep certain company and do certain things and act in a certain way and make certain choices. What about mercy? Well, to to have mercy, I need to be repentant. I need to confess. So I run from it. But it is there for me. And it will follow me all the days of my life. It will follow me. I think, surely I, I should be running after goodness. And I should be running after mercy. But it runs after me. Because the source of this goodness and this mercy is God himself. So again, through next week, remember that goodness and that mercy is with us. We're going towards the cross. The cross is a beautiful thing, because we look through it and see the resurrection. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at my screen here, and I'm seeing Diana's, um, Diana's backdrop, where I see a cross, and through it, there is this ray of light. That's exactly what it is. Focus on the ray of light. The cross then becomes a silhouette. It is not the main thing. The main thing is the light coming from behind it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And my sisters and my brothers, my fathers, that is what this is all about. All of this, the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection is so that we can live in the house of our Lord forever. With nothing that separates us, with nothing that takes us away, with nothing that obstructs us, with nothing that takes away our joy or indeed our life, we are given all things in abundance. We are given all things in love. We are given all things with generosity. We are given everything just for that. That we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That nothing more shall separate us. Our Lord says you've been separated for far too long. For long enough. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I have come to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. I have come to make you lie down in green pastures. I have come to anoint your head. I have come to prepare this table before you. I have come to claim you. I have come that you may have abundance and your cup may flow over. And I have come that you may dwell with me forever. Not here, not in this world, because we will all live this world. But I have come that you may abide and live with me forever in the world that is to come, in the life that is to come, where there is no more cross, there is no more suffering, there is no more commemoration of the suffering. There is life and light and joy. And that is what we remember next week. Glory be to God forever.